to begin by acknowledging the traditional custodians of the land on which we gather today. And I pay my respects to their elders, past and present. I extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples here today. Hello and welcome to another episode of Inspired by Yarra. This is the podcast that's been created to enhance, connect and inspire the Yarra Valley Grammar community and beyond. So wherever you might be tuning in, at whatever time of the day or night, whatever season we're in, welcome. Thanks for joining us and thanks for being part of this community, a community that is continuing to try and stay connected and continuing to grow and learn from one another. And today I am absolutely thrilled to share a conversation that I had with Sean Gooden from the class of 2002. Sean comes from Goodstock. She was one of very few girls in her year level when she started in year seven and then went on to grow and learn and try new things and explore new pathways and be inspired by that along the way. She was our school captain in 2002 and has continued to live a life of impact. We're going to explore in this conversation the benefit of reaching out to community and adopting an attitude of serving and caring and helping and perhaps some of the veils that we have to lift from our eyes in order to be able to see the person within the body or to see the person without being distracted by colour or race or background or religious background. or And Shan is an example of everything good in that sphere. This conversation really fired me up and you'll hear a little bit about that along the way, I'm sure. But if you too found this encouraging, if you find this inspiring, then I encourage you to reach out, to leave a rating and a review, to share this episode with somebody else, to leave us a message and to tell us that you're enjoying what we're putting together here. I'm going to begin our conversation today by asking Shan, at what year level did she begin her journey at Yarra Valley Grammar? Yeah, sure. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, it's good to good to be chatting to you. So I started um, at Yarra in 1997, so when I was in year seven. And what was it like in those early days? Can you remember anything? Was it overwhelming? Was it fantastic? Did you love the idea of having so much potential for new friends or were you a little shy? Probably um, a little from column A, a little from column B, if I'm being honest. I think um, if I reflect back on primary school, you know, I had a small close-knit group of friends and I went to a really big primary school and then suddenly coming to Yarra um, and starting only a couple of years after the school went co-ed, it was kind of overwhelming because there were about, I think, 20 girls in our year level um, and about 80 boys. And so the first um, the first few weeks were quite overwhelming, but I do remember, um, yeah, very quickly, I guess, starting to feel comfortable because we had, I guess, an induction camp at Lake Glen Maggie. Um, and that was a really nice way to sort of ease into the, the high school experience and um, meet, you know, some of my peers in a much more relaxed environment, having mud fights and, you know, going on hikes and things like that. So overwhelming for the first few weeks, but very quickly settled into things. 
Fantastic. And and I wonder if you can remember, and, and look, we've probably changed things and tried new things over time, but did they put sort of two or three girls in each shoot group or did they kind of cluster you in, and between the 20 of you, you were in two or three shoot groups? Yeah, I think, um, I think in our year level we had four tutorial groups and there were girls in three of them. So, yeah, quite a small group of us. Um, in each tute group, but it was a really great opportunity to obviously become quite close to the the other girls in your in your tute group. I remember, I think there were six of us, um, and by the end of the year, we we're all pretty firm friends. You do need to rely on like for like, don't you? And uh, and and you're quite right. And and the social aspect of school is is really important. And I wonder whether any of those early connections, those early friendships, did they stand the test of time as you moved through into year eight? And when you're in year eight, year nine, can you remember where were you? Where did you hang out? Where was the place on the property that you'd like to be? Oh, such good questions. And um, in terms of the, I guess, enduring friendships, for sure, um, a lot of those friendships endured, I guess, throughout high school and beyond, you know, some of my closest friends I became friends with on that camp at Lake Glen Maggie, and I still see them today and um, consider them to be some of my closest friends, girls, girls and guys. Um, in terms of year eight and nine, so I can remember my bestie and I in year eight, um, someone I'm still very close friends with, um, every day before school, we'd do a little lap of the school. So we'd catch up on, you know, the evening that we'd have and we'd walk around and we'd kind of do a lap of the PAC and um, back up to the year eight locker room. Um, and it was like this daily ritual between us, just a nice little way for the two of us to catch up without interruption and before, um, yeah, kind of stepping into the chaos that was the locker room. But we spent a lot of time, I think, in that locker room as well. Um, yeah, just hanging out with everyone and, and having lots of fun. That's really interesting and because some of our listeners won't understand the idea that you and your bestie haven't had ongoing conversation all the way through the afternoon into the evening and probably already the next morning as well on social media. So back in those days, what are you saying you relied on actually talking to each other in person? <laughs> We did, yeah. I mean, we um, we definitely sat on the phone, not a mobile phone, the, you know, old school house phone. Um, so we would spend a lot of our after school hours on the phone catching up with people that we'd just spent all day with. Um, but obviously there's still so much to catch up on, you know. We, we may have spoken after school, but um, there's definitely a few hours after that between our chat over the phone and, and bedtime that we needed to catch up on. So, yeah, a good chance to get some gossip in before the school day started, I think. Absolutely, absolutely. And by about year eight, year nine and year 10, you're well and truly entrenched in some of the co-curricular activities. You're you're starting to realise, I imagine, the mm -hmm. opportunities that exist outside of the classroom. And I wonder if you can talk to us about some of your favourites, like was music and drama, was that something that you got involved in or was it maybe sport was one of your passions? What did you like to do outside of the classroom? Yeah, um, another good question. And I think for me, um, all those extracurricular activities really made um, my school experience. And I think, you know, the silver lining of being one of the um, 20 girls in the year level meant that you were really encouraged to get involved in all sorts of things um, because there weren't too many of us. So I think from year seven, I was really actively involved in school sports. Um, I was in the school play, which was Annie. 
um, back in year seven, which was a lot of fun. Um, in year eight and nine, I got involved in debating. Um, so it was really a mixture of everything. And it was because there was that opportunity to do it. Um, and we were really encouraged to take it all on. So yeah, in terms of sport, there was obviously the summer and winter sport, but um, I got quite involved in you know cross country and swimming and athletics as well. And I'd always been a swimmer, um, but I definitely hadn't considered myself a runner, but suddenly that became my thing. And um, yeah, I really loved it and loved, you know, the, I guess the weekend component where we play sport on weekends as well. And um, some of that healthy competition that comes along with it, but yeah, and got really into the debating side of things as well throughout, um, throughout my high school years. Fantastic. That's a great reflection really on, on, the value of a school like Yarra, and as you say, there's there's lots of opportunities, and and I agree, your experience would have been that they wanted you, they really encouraged you, um, warmly invited you into those activities, but you also had to say yes, and and you've obviously seen the opportunity, seen the potential, and also found the courage within you to say, yep, I'll, I'll give that a go. I'm I'm not a runner, but I'll try, and then. Wow! Look at look at what you discover about yourself, and and I think that's a beautiful, um, I guess a almost a, a mantra to adopt for life. That you go, let's go and see what happens. Let's let's you know let's explore, let's find out, and let's let's discover. And I think that's a, a terrific way to go about things. What are some of the things that you then went into senior school? So you're in year maybe year 10, 11, and twelve. Were there still things you were learning about yourself in those year levels, and what sorts of subject areas were you starting to head towards? Was there a, a particular school environment in the classroom where you, was your sweet spot? Yeah, so um, I think by those years I'd, I'd sort of let go of the um, music and drama, um, I guess, um, co-curricular activities. So I was actually laughing about this the other day with my partner and that I had been in a choir in early high school and that is definitely not my forte. And, you know, I don't even sing happy birthday anymore when people get around and sing happy birthday to each other. So the fact that I was giving that a go, um, yeah, shocks me, I think to this day, but anyhow, um, later on in high school, I, I dropped the, I guess, music and drama side of things, um, was still very actively involved in the, in the sporting side of things. Um, and yeah, again, summer, winter, cross country, swimming, um, athletics, and, um, I also got involved, I guess, in more, um, community, facing activities. So, you know, I know that we had a partnership, for example, with Irabina um, around the corner and, you know, did some volunteer work there and that sort of thing. And so I was really drawn to that um, particular side of, I guess, extracurricular life. Um, and then in the classroom, I was very much drawn to the, the humanities. So I've always been a, you know, an avid reader and a lover of, um, of the English language and um, yet yeah, absolutely loved literature, gobbled that right up um, and got into, I guess, history um, and other humanities subjects later on in high school as well. But, yeah, English was definitely um, definitely my forte. You know, my first word was book as a kid, so, you know, not surprising that that, <laughs> that became the avenue that I went down. But I had quite a varied, um, you know, VC experience because I did, I did that, but I also did, you know, math methods and accounting and a sprinkling of everything really. But my passion was definitely for um, the humanities. And I think not surprisingly, that passion and that enjoyment of a subject leads to 
I guess, the willingness to do more work and the willingness to put in the time and the effort and the energy. And you got some good results there. Um, I, I, I happen to have been speaking to one of your former teachers, um, an English teacher of yours, who who said you did extremely well in uh, in in VCE. Would it have been VCE? Yeah, VCE English. Yeah. Um, you did really well. And not that it's all about the numbers, but when you finished and, and achieved your VCE, did you get what you were aiming for and did that lead where you wanted it to? Yeah, I actually um, got the exact enter that I needed for the course that I'd listed as my top priority to the, you know, to the number. It was an exact, um, the exact score that I that I needed. And I remember um, we, we called a, a phone number to get the results um, back then. And I remember calling, hearing the results and shedding a tear because I kind of thought, oh, um, you know, after after the build up and everything, and and um, I did it. Um, and yeah, thanks to I guess some of those humanities subjects, as you've mentioned. Um, and yeah, I always thought that I wanted to go down the path of um, journalism and media. And so that's um, yeah, most of my I guess uni preferences were along those lines. But I ended up doing something a bit more general. So I did a media comms and commerce degree. Um, so a double barreled degree, which sort of meant that by the end of six years at uni, I, um, yeah, I had, I guess, a lot of um, potential pathways to explore, which, which was really exciting. But yeah, as I said, very lucky that I just, just scraped in with the exact score that I needed to. So we're chatting with Sean Gooden from the class of 2002, a, a learner, a student who is passionate, who is engaged in her subject area and also somebody who's uh, learning about themselves along the way. And and Sean, I wonder if you can tap back into something that you mentioned before about that community service, that idea of looking out to community. And I wonder whether you can talk to the where did that come from? Was that because you saw your your friends doing it? Was it something built in you from home? That idea of helping other people, where does that come from? And has that continued since leaving school? Yeah, interesting question. And um, it's funny, I sometimes think I'm the type of person that often says yes to things without giving it too much thought um, in the moment. And I think that some of that community service stuff um, probably lands in that category, if I'm honest. It, you know, I, I heard about it at school. There was an opportunity to get involved, um, and I think one of the, yeah, one of the first things was the the visit out to Irabina, and I just remember putting my hand up and saying, "That sounds like something I would really love to do," um, and that actually led, um, yeah, that actually led to me doing some volunteer work outside of school with adults with disabilities and children with disabilities, and I think that the um, the passion from that was probably, yeah, sparked right back um, in those early days visiting Irabina and learning to, um, I guess, interact with and support people with learning and behavioural dis- disabilities. So I'd have to say that the major factor that influenced, um, I guess, my drive to, to help others would definitely be family. Growing up, both mum and dad um, instilled in me the importance of prioritising the greater good and that applied, I guess, both to um, other humans and, and to the planet more broadly and we were always taught to consider how our actions impacted on those around us um, and on the planet. So I can remember Dad, for example, taking a cardboard box to the supermarket when we were kids um, so that he didn't have to use plastic bags and he could pack his groceries into the cardboard box and 
he'd always get really strange looks from um, people working at the checkout and um, but that was just you know quite normal in our family and um, I guess we also grew up vegetarian and uh, mum educated educated us from a really young age on uh, the impact that our diet can actually have on the planet um, so we were always really encouraged to to consider the environment and both mum and dad also strongly encouraged me to get involved um, in volunteer work from a very young age and my first volunteer experience was um, an ad for a volunteer camp with people with disabilities and and that was something that dad actually saw and encouraged me to to go for it so I guess yeah I was surrounded by this community thinking from from a really young age um, and it's something that yeah I guess I carried into my later years as well. That's fantastic, and and I love that heart to help and and people who are who whose experience is different to yours, and and we appreciate that some young people make judgments around that, and they um, have particular ideas around that. But it seems that you were able to negotiate some of those things, which as an adult we probably hope that we would have been able to do. But as a young person, it's not always natural to to look beyond the disability or to look beyond the colour or to, to look beyond the racial background. So I acknowledge and appreciate the, the warmth in which you entered into those activities. Tell me a little bit about your six years you mentioned of, of university and you come out of that and you've got a whole lot of options to explore. Did you pick a path and then pursue it or did you try and keep your options open or did you go and travel for a year? What, what happened after you graduated from university? Yeah, so um, I did my six years of university, just a straight six years. I didn't have um, a lot of contact hours. So it was this bizarre shift from um, obviously high school. And then I was a, a you know avid studier and studied you know, a couple of hours every night. And um, so I remember going from that to obviously university life, which is a lot more um, flexible and you're managing your own time a lot more and only having, you know, 10 to 12 contact hours a week. And some of those contact hours involved watching a film because I did cinema studies and some of them involved um, writing short stories and poetry because I did creative writing. So I was exploring a, a lot of things with, um, yeah, with quite a, I guess, broad degree, as I said. Um, and I think very quickly, probably in my first year, I realised that the path that I thought I wanted to be on, which was, you know, towards journalism and working in the media, um, wasn't actually the path that I was interested in. But to be very honest, I think throughout the six years, I really didn't know um, what would come next. <clears throat> Excuse me. And um, yeah, my mind changed a lot during those six years, but I didn't really have a concrete idea of, of the career path that I wanted. And um, in a way, I'm, I'm really glad of that because I think, yeah, my career so far has been very varied. And if I was just kind of set on this, I want to be a journalist and that's the path I'm going to go on and I'm going to do journalism and, um, you know, not keep my options open, I'd probably have had a very different, um, very different life so far. And yeah, I, I think that it's enabled me to see opportunities on the periphery that I may not have seen otherwise um, and work in some very varied industries, which have then subsequently opened up further doors. So um, yeah. And in answer to your question about whether or not I took a year off to travel, I did a lot of travel during uni. Um, again, did some, you know, overseas volunteering, spent my summers, um, 
on yeah a volunteer camp for people with disabilities um did a lot of a lot of travel during those six years but but did do the six years straight because it seemed like a long stretch and I didn't didn't want to prolong it any further I'm I'm fascinated by a whole lot of the the different things that you're sharing with us one is you've identified and I think quite rightly that the change or the the transition between VCE and the busyness and the the time you you've, you're expected to be somewhere at a certain time and the next day you've got to submit certain work and and it's very I would say regimented compared to a a university course for years where you've got few contact hours and I guess without putting words in your mouth by your own admission there were things that you found some pleasure in as well, watching a movie or or writing some poetry and, and exploring those things. Where where do you find the motivation when you leave high school where it's there's an expectation and there's somebody expecting you to be in front of them versus the more free-flowing experience of university? How do you stay motivated within that new environment? Yeah, that's an interesting question because if I think about the other big shift between my school and university experience, it was, you know, you build this identity, I guess, in your high school years. And you, um, you know, I saw myself as someone that was very studious, but had lots of friends. I was very social. Um, you know, I was involved in all these activities, a school captain, you know, my dad worked at the school. So I, I sort of had this identity and people knew who I was. And then I went, um, into university and went to Melbourne University and there's, you know, tens of thousands of students and um, you're just a blip and you're one of, you know, a few hundred people doing the same course. And um, I think I think it, it kind of was a bit of a, a reality check almost and a bit of a wake-up call that, hey, this is, you know, this is the big wide world now and, um, and no one cares about, you know, um, the, you know, various things that I, I might have, I guess, um, put to my name in high school. But I think that, um, yeah, the big thing for me was it really gave me the opportunity in those years to explore some of the things that I'd started to explore during my high school years. So, you know, my love of arts and humanities, I was suddenly able to to study those things in um, in university, but in a way that I probably hadn't considered. As I said, you know, watching a movie and being able to chat about it in class um, in a lot of depth with some incredibly intelligent people around me. Um, and that became, I guess, both something I was studying, but also something that was a hobby. So when I had a few spare hours um, in the middle of a university day, I'd often go across the road to Nova Cinema and watch a movie. So it gave me that flexibility to both learn, but also, I guess, um, on top of that, you know, formal learning actually fill fill up my time with um yeah with some other learning outside of that and um I guess the motivation piece came in because I was enjoying what I was doing so much I was able to pick yeah the subjects that that I was passionate about um you know on the creative writing side it was something that I explored a lot um, from a very early age I always had a diary um I can remember you know journaling a lot in my high school years and suddenly that was something that um I was actually getting graded on and um assessed on and so yeah, I really, um, I think I was passionate about most of the subjects I was doing, definitely not all of them. I was never passionate about economics or accounting, um, unfortunately. But I think, yeah, university life was, again, just an opportunity to really round out, I think, 
who I was as an individual and rebuild that identity to an extent. So I was able to explore so many new things. You know, I did um, volunteering for radio. I did volunteering for RMITV, which was um, a student-run television station. I did um, volunteering for people with, um, I guess, people coming from backgrounds of um, disadvantage. And I did um, camps with refugee families. It was kind of this time where all of that free time that I probably didn't have when I was in high school, I suddenly had and was able to dedicate that to um, exploring things above and beyond the academic. Um, But I think all of those things helped me to get where I am today as well. A hundred percent that, because there are some people and, and clearly it's not in your character and it's not part of who you are and your makeup that they would have all that free time, spare time, and they would, I guess, waste it. But you've invested that time in exploring uh, new opportunities and you've seen it as an opportunity to go and find out stuff, discover stuff, to explore things and to experience things, which, again, just marks part of your character and your um, curiosity for life, which is a, a beautiful attribute. And and I, I guess it it leads to the notion that when the opportunity comes, you'll you'll be ready for it by volunteering, by giving of your time, by exploring those areas that you're interested in. All of a sudden, you 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 are in front of, you are known by people in those areas, in those industries, and maybe an opportunity presents itself. And it's not luck that you have this opportunity. It's in fact the dedication and commitment, volunteering to be there, to keep showing up, and then an opportunity presents itself and, and you're ready. And But you chose to do those things long before there was an opportunity. And I think that's 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 fantastic. That's, that's a beautiful thing. So I want to take you back then to two things that, that really strike a chord with me. And one of them was journaling and one of them was your year eight ritual every morning, starting with a friend and going and, and doing a lap. And I wonder whether routine and ritual is part of your experience now are there things that you do regularly that help you to be the best version of you yeah I think um I think yes to both of those questions I think I've always been someone who's quite um well I try and be organized but um and I like to have those yeah those daily rituals and routines um in order to you know clear my mind and and that sort of thing. So as I said, from a really young age, I was journaling. Um, I remember my parents sharing with me the fact that my um, dad's mum had journaled pretty much every day of her life and we actually had all her journals. So it was something that I was able to look through as a kid, um, which is, yeah, really fascinating to look through these journals, you know, spanning um, 70 years. And um, so I was really inspired by that. And I think during school it was a way to, you know, clear my thoughts, get – you know, write them down and, and work through some things that I was going through as every teenager does. And yeah, to this day, I try and, um, you know, my ritual now before work is to try and sit down and, and write um, 750 words. So I've got an app where I just, you know, it's kind of stream of consciousness writing um, and it just allows you to clear the head before you get stuck into your workday. Um, so that's one ritual that I try and uphold. Um, and the other is, yeah, getting out and doing some morning exercise. I think that's again, really important sort of waking up the the body and then the 
the journaling's the waking up of the mind, I think, and I like to try and do both of those things um, every day. And I mean, they're they're things that I've been doing um, particularly throughout this year because when we were able to go into offices, the ritual looked a bit different. Um, but I've always been someone who's yeah been quite um, ritual and routine driven um, because I think it just helps set your day up, um, yeah, and start the day I guess with some time for you. So. I think you need to, you know, fill fill up your cup if you like before you can fill up other people's. And so I think, yeah, that's kind of the motto that I like to think of my mornings as, um, I'm, you know, starting the day for myself. Beautiful. I'm a big believer in those sentiments, those ideas as well of, of you know, win the morning and, and win the day. And, and I love that idea of filling your own cup and then being able to give of the of the overflow. And, um, and that's not selfish, that's caring for yourself and then being able to, to serve and to minister to others as well. So I, I love that notion. I wonder if you might do some forward thinking for a moment and if everything goes well on planet U, what's happening in five years' time? Is there a particular industry you're working in? Have you made a particular impact are you living in a particular spot? Have you thought about some of those dreams and aspirations for the future? You know, I, I have. Um, I definitely have. And I'm someone that's a really big believer in goal setting and, and that sort of thing as well. But I find that question really tough because um, if I look back, you know, to five years ago, I wouldn't have ever dreamed that I'd be working in the industry that I'm currently working in. Um, and so I think, as I've progressed throughout my career and throughout my life, I find it more and more difficult to, to set those longer term goals because I just don't know. And I don't know um, what opportunities might arise in the next five years. Um, I, yeah, I'm currently, you know, I've got my day job and then I've got quite a few passion projects on the side and I'd love to see where they lead. Um, and they're all about, I guess, different communities. One of them's a global community. One of them's a more local um, Australian-based community who are essentially bringing really unlike minds together um, to try and, you know, make a positive impact and and um, put the world back on course, if you like. So I'd love to see where both of those passion projects um, lead to. But yeah, who knows? I'm, I find that question really difficult. And I do ask it of myself quite often and, and struggle to, to come up with a concrete answer. Yeah, I appreciate that, and I I appreciate the um, the learning and 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 dare I say the maturity or the maturing process that you've gone through, because I I guess my own reflection would be goal setting is important, and yet uh, we need to be open to growth and change, and and if we're too fixed on what we think it's meant to look like then we might miss some other opportunities on along the way and and so that 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 really interests me another component of what you mentioned there is that you've got some passion projects in addition to your uh, day job in inverted commas and i wonder can you if if you feel comfortable sharing what is the industry you're working in and also do you want to do a little shout out to one of your passion projects and if others are interested that they might find out more? Yeah, of course. Um, and I'll just say one more thing on the, I guess, on the goal setting piece, if I can. Um, I used to be really big on, you know, the idea of New Year's resolutions, for example, but in recent years, I've actually just um, set myself a word for the year that's almost like a guiding principle for the year ahead. So rather than being really fixed on, um, 
these definitive goals that I want, um, I just have yeah a word. And I think this year that's been particularly helpful because most of the goals that I would have set probably wouldn't have wouldn't have eventuated. Um, in terms of yeah, in terms of work, so I'm currently working as an account executive for Slack, um, so a collaboration software company. Um, so yeah, as I said five years ago, never would have dreamed that I would end up in tech sales, but um, absolutely adore the job and the company. It's a fantastic organization and industry to work in. And I feel like this year um, with everyone shifting to remote work, it's been really fulfilling seeing, I guess, how we're enabling organizations to, um, yeah, to pick up things overnight and move to a remote or hybrid work environment. So that's my day job um, and I do love it. And who knows where that might lead. Um, in terms of passion projects, I, as I said, I do have a couple. Um, so one of them is with a community called Space. Um, they're the Australian-based uh, organisation and I'm the storyteller for space. So effectively my role um, within that community is to chat with all of the amazing people that, that are part of the community and showcase their stories, um, both, you know, their journeys and also what they're hoping to achieve and the impact they're hoping to have and how they'd like to see Australia, if you like, build back better from this current um, crisis. And we're actually in the midst of a three-day event at the moment, um, it's an unconference uh, event, which has been really exciting. But it's all about, yeah, as I said, bringing really unlike minds together. So we've got school students, we've got you know people in their seventies and eighties, we've got board directors, we've got not-for-profit leaders, um, a real cross section of Australia. So that's one of them. The other one um, is called the House of Beautiful Business, and it's all about making uh, business more beautiful and humans more human. And that's, as I said, a global community. Um, and I'm part of the the local hub, if you like, that, um, yeah, resident of this global community, but but driving some um, some local activities here in Australia as part of that community too. Wow. There's some great projects that you're involved in. Now, some people wouldn't be familiar with the notion of an unconference. Now, we have a traditional view of conference and that's you probably go to a, a venue and, you know, you mingle around, there's a couple of keynotes and you have morning tea and you have another speaker and and many people would predict that you're probably not meeting in person but then the notion of an unconference conference is different again. Are you are you able just to kind of map out for us briefly what a, what what is it to go to an unconference? Yeah, sure. So, um the event, which was in person last year, and um, it was the inaugural event last year, was all about, I guess, not having an agenda, um, not, you know, not being about what you do for a living um, and being about who you actually are as a person and bringing that um, to the table. So, yeah, there was no agenda. Um, and this unconference over the, these three days also has no agenda. And essentially the people that attend the event create the content so people run a session or, you know, people tell a story. Um, for the in-person events, people might choose to, you know, take a morning yoga class or take, you know, an evening, um, you know, stories by the campfire session. So it's all about the people attending actually creating the agenda as the event rolls ahead. Um, and, uh, you know, the subject matter that we might cover might be from changing the education system to um, what's wrong with, you know, our political system to... Um, you know, things that aren't at all related, I guess, to, to our careers. So, you know, storytelling and, and other things like that. So it's really 
as I said, less about what you do for a living and more about who you are and the impact that you might want to have, be it at work or outside of that. Now, I'll let you know, I personally love what you're talking about and I have attended some unconferences, but there might be some listeners who go, what? <laughs> like that's all a bit, you know, woo-woo and it's all <laughs> a little bit kind of bit loose and a bit... What is the goal of spending three days leaving your occupation, your career, your role, your title behind? What are the outcomes? What do you hope to happen from that three days of storytelling and interaction and, and connection? And as I say, I'm, I'm a fan. I love it. But can you tell me from a, a whether you're an organiser of the event or at least certainly an active participant, what do you hope to get out of it? Yeah, um, and it's really interesting actually to see. So as I said, last year was the inaugural event and I think it was quite an experiment. Um, and the I guess the vision was to create a more ambitious Australia by bringing all these unlikely people together who wouldn't have the opportunity to, to connect anyway. And I'm a firm believer that, you know, everyone that you meet um, can teach you something. So I think the more that you can throw yourself into these opportunities to meet people that you wouldn't normally meet in your day-to-day -day life, uh, the more that you grow and become a, a well-rounded person. And I think that's part of it. Um, and that's certainly for me what, what I like to get out of these things. But the, the real vision for this space community now is about, okay, let's not waste this crisis. We've been given this year to really um, stop and think about what's important. It's really put things into perspective. It's, it's acted as, um, you know, a bit of an X-ray in terms of showing us what's broken with the way that we operate as a community. And, um, yeah, the idea of bringing all these unlikely people together now is to try and address these things moving forward. So my... Um, you know, privilege as the storyteller of this community is that I actually get to write the stories that have come out of the event last year um, and the stories that will hopefully come out of this three-day event. And some really cool examples of that are um, Magda Skabansky, who everyone knows and loves, you know, pretty well-loved um, public figure in Australia, and Egg Boy, Will Connolly, who, you know, egged a politician um, a couple of years ago, both attended the event last year. And off the back end of that, they're now working on a collaboration, which is all around um, basically providing support to people impacted by trauma. So that was something that happened off the back end of the bushfires. Um, and they'll be traveling around regional Australia, delivering these workshops together and hearing those stories from the two of them. It's just kind of mind blowing because who would have thought that Magda Skamansky and Willboy, Willboy, Eggboy would be working on this um, collaboration where they're supporting bushfire victims um, so it's pretty phenomenal. And there are, there are lots of stories um, like that that have come off the back end of last year. I, I can't tell you, I can't describe for you the tingles that I feel right now <laughs> as you share the collaboration. And I love, I love the term, the mission of getting unlikely people together. And that's where the magic is. That's where the gold is of getting Magda and Egg Boy together and then for them to bring their own perspective of trauma and go and do something good with it is just superb. I love that. That is so yeah. good. Wow. Um, it's um, If I can just add, <laughs> add one other thing there, it's um, it's – 
Yeah, so it's it's all about, you know, these people, we've got so many amazing people in this country who have these great ideas, but they don't necessarily have the influence and the networks to actually actualize those those ideas. And so in that Egg Boy and Magda example, off the back end of the bushfires, Egg Boy had this platform for, you know, from egging a politician. He didn't want that to be what he was known for. He didn't want that to be his life's work. Um, he saw what was happening in these bushfire impact um, affected communities and he went, I, I want to do something, but I need, I need some support and I need some networks and reached out to Magda because they'd met at Space last year. Um, so it's that yeah, ideas meeting influence that really um, can create powerful change, I think, and we're seeing that a lot in a lot of the other stories that have come out of it. It's you know young people who are still school students or early university students really being given a voice um, and collaborating with people who are you know a couple of decades into their career. Or um, yeah, it's incredibly powerful. And there's two sides of that. It's one the courage of those potentially the young people the unlikely people, the courage to tell their story. But the other side of that is that the older, somewhat wiser, maybe more experienced at least, they've got to listen. And unless both parties are willing to to share and listen to each other, then it doesn't work. And so there has to be a almost, a, whether it's a written or a, an unwritten agreement, entering into a space like that that says, I, I come with respect, I come with humility, I come with curiosity to to discover what we might discover as we go through. And with that as the platform, and I'm really fascinated by this question and this conversation that I've had with numerous people, and, and you've talked about and it, such a current relevant theme of your current unconference is about what are we learning what what are we going to do differently as a result of our experience of 2020 i don't know what day you're up to in your 3 day conference or un- 3 day unconference but have you are there any takeaways yet what are some things that you might tell to our listeners today that you as a participant what are some of the stories that you are going to be telling that we could learn from in the here and now admittedly we will probably be listening to this 2021. So some of the things that that you're going to share with us now may have already begun to eventuate. So you're going to help us predict the future. And when we listen to this, we're going to be living it. So I'm fascinated to to not only hear what you and your people have discovered, but also when we actually listen to this and release this episode of this podcast, we'll be able to go, yeah, I can see us moving that way. Or yeah, that's still relevant because potentially in three months or six months' time from when we're actually recording this, it might be different. Yeah, um, big question, big question. But I, I think a couple of things, <laughs> um, a couple of things have probably stood out to me. Even I mean, we're um, so the conference being an unconference is actually happening in the evening. So last night was the first night. Tonight will be the second night, and then tomorrow will be the final night. Um, the opening, I guess, speech, if you like, or presentation uh, yesterday was from Beck, um, Beck Scott, who runs Street, the Melbourne social enterprise. Um, and she made this incredibly powerful point around um, the fact that right now is probably the most important 10 years um, in our planet's history. If you look at 
you know, what's going on with COVID, what's going on with our political systems, what's going on with the climate. It's almost make or break. And I think, um, as I said earlier, this year being a real x-ray to show us what's actually broken, um, hopefully it's it's given, you know, people that don't often have a voice a voice. And I think that's the great thing about this unconference is it is giving a voice to people who might not have a voice. Um, so I think we need to do more of that. We need to, you know, amplify the voices of people that don't often get heard. Um, and I think we also all need to, you know, take a moment to to slow down a bit more. I think this year has taught us that as well. And I really hope that um, that people will slow down off the back end of, of what we've gone through. But I think just, just slowing down and, I guess, um, re-evaluating what's important and a session that was run last night actually as part of the unconference was being run by a 19 year old he'd just finished um year 12 in 2019 um, and he was running a session around our relationship to technology and the fact that it can be this incredible thing um, but it can also be this incredibly detrimental thing and finding that synergy and balance between how do we do all the things that we know are good for us slowing down take you know spending time with loved ones getting into nature and also using technology um, for all its advantages. So that's a really interesting concept to me as well um, and something that I think that we need to address before we, you know, go too far into our screens um, because thank goodness technology's around and has been around over the course of this pandemic. But to an extent, we all rely on it so much. Um, so how do we make sure we're not losing that connection with each other as well? I'm sorry, I've jumped all over the place in answer to that question, but I really do think that um, this has, as I said, put a mirror up to us as a society and showed us, I guess, um, what's wrong. And, you know, the people globally, this isn't just here, but the people that are going to be most impacted and for the you know longest term will be those communities that are already disadvantaged. They'll take the longest to bounce back. They'll be the ones um, that are most impacted by this crisis and by the climate crisis. Um, so I think we really need to take stock and um, give those people a voice. Whoa. Uh, we're going to have to do part two <laughs> of this conversation down the track because you and I have had some contact since you leaving school and my and my role having some students involved in some community outreach type stuff and 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 connecting young people to real world examples of help in the community but I in some ways and and even though our our song books are different I think we've we're singing the same song and I love what you're doing and I love what you're part of creating and the message that you're sharing. When you were a student, you, and I mean this in all of the good ways, you were a force. You were a leader. You were a gatherer. You were a visionary. And I'm interested to hear your perspective on leadership now whether that's school student leadership or whether that's community leadership or your role now as a storyteller and where leadership sits in that platform, tell me, give me a, give me a story or give me a, a response to the notion of leadership and what it means to Sean Gooden from the class of 2002. <laughs> um, yeah, interesting because I think... Um I'm, I'm a really firm believer in, you know, not 
leadership in in terms of not what your job title is. I don't think that you need to be a manager um, or a head of something to be a leader. I think, you know, most people, I believe in the, I guess, um, that people are intrinsically good for the most part um, and want to do good, but sometimes people just aren't quite sure where to start. And so I think leadership to me is really enabling other people um, to be their best selves and to make a positive contribution and um, have a positive impact on those around them. So I think, yeah, that that's true leadership to me. And if I think of all of the leaders in my life, be they, you know, leaders by job title or just, you know, leaders in terms of the way that they carry themselves and, and operate around other people, they've, they've all enabled those around them and brought out the best in those around them. Um, and I think, yeah, that, that's true leadership for me. I love it. I love it. Um, because I'm going to invite you back on the podcast, I'm going to start to move this conversation towards a, a conclusion. I, I feel there is no natural conclusion to this because I I want to continue. However, in the here and now, and you've got a, other things to do, and then you've got a, an unconference to get ready for tonight, and more stories to 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 tell and to share and to hear and to. I wonder whether we might move into what we call the lightning round. I'm going to throw a couple of quick fire questions at you, and uh, they might be a short sentence, even a one word response, um, and we'll see how we go. Does that sound okay? Sounds good. Sean Gooden from the class of 2002. When you were at Yarra, what house were you in? Annals. And were annals any good back in your day? Oh, sometimes. <laughs> I think it depends. Um, yeah, but it depends what year and what sport. Yes. No, that's a good, safe answer. I, I appreciate that. Um, <laughs> I mean, I we're wonder the best. If, we're the if best. you had to choose... <laughs> I, I, I appreciate that you discovered some things in this arena along your along the journey. But if you had a choice of school swimming or school athletics, you know, you spend the day by the pool or you spend the day at the athletics track. What would be your preference? Swimming, hundred percent. Okay. Um, what would we have found in your lunchbox? What was a regular go-to in your lunchbox when you're a school kid? Oh, salad sandwich with no butter and definitely with beetroot. In fact, I think they used to sell that at the tuck shop and that was my go-to order. Beetroot might be controversial for some people (laughs) in a salad sandwich. Very divisive it is, isn't it? What was your first car? (laughs) Oh, first and only car, actually. Um, My first and only car was a Mazda 626 wagon with two seats in the boot um, that faced the traffic behind and I very promptly um, killed the car after about a year. If I offer the phrase to you, lavavi oculus, do you recall what that means? And then what does it mean? So I think it means lift up our eyes or lift up your eyes. And um, for me, that really means, you know, look up and look around you and um live your life and think about things beyond the end of your nose and beyond your backyard um really yeah look further um you know than your phone and um what's immediately in front of you every now and then i have the 
opportunity to chat to people through this podcast and and I get taken all around the world. I get taken into uh, all manner of circumstances and, and situations of, of people's personal journey and their professional journey and and you've taken us to a whole different place and it's a place that I, I, I'm I fascinated to go back to one day and, and I wonder whether if we were to try and uh, and follow this up another time, would you would you be willing to come back and uh, and share your latest discoveries? Yeah, of course. We'd love to. Really, really fascinating. I, I guess now in the interests of time and, and you've been really generous with your time, I wonder whether you might reflect on my final question and it's you've been gracious in saying oh that's a good question that's a good question well the pressure's really on now and that is what is the question that you had hoped that I would ask and part b of that question is can you answer that really good question that you wished I had asked oh I don't want to say that's a really good question again, but that is a really good question. Um, You know what, something that I did think might come up was the fact that my dad was a teacher at the school and how that experience was for me. (laughs) But that's not a good question at all. Um, I think, oh, maybe a question around, um, you know, advice for for people going through um, their schooling years now and um and i yeah i thought something around those lines would would come up um i'm struggling to answer that question because i feel like we've covered a lot but yeah probably something around um advice for for young people either you know coming to the end of their schooling or um going through their schooling years now is probably something i thought might come up Sean, we have a whole range of yogs who listen to this podcast, many of whom are beginning the journey of parenthood. We also have some current students who listen to this and uh, and some grandparents who, who tune in as well. So if you were to offer some advice for young people, let's kind of wrap it into teenagers who are getting close to the end of their schooling at Yarra Valley Grammar, what advice would you have? I would just say to lap it all up. Um, I look back at my school years and they were so much fun, you know, spending all day every day with your peers and your friends and, um, yeah, just lap it all up. Take every opportunity that you have to do all those different extracurricular things. Um, Yeah, you know, I I think I burnt the candle at both ends a lot in high school and I think I still do that now and that's – but it's set me up to be able to do that and to be able to take, you know, these opportunities as they pop up on the periphery, as I said. So I think just keep an open mind and, um, yeah, make the most of those opportunities as they present themselves. Sean Gooden from the class of 2002, it has been an absolute delight for me to hear you speak and to reflect and to share. I appreciate your curiosity for life and for the way that you desire to help, to support, to listen and to share the stories for others as well. I think you come from great foundation and I suspect that part of that is family-based. I want to think that a lot of it is based in your education at Yarra Valley Grammar and the inspiration that you have received from that. But truly, 
you are now an inspiration to Yarra. So for that, we salute you and we thank you and really appreciate you sharing your time with us today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's been fun. Well, that all but wraps up another episode of Inspired by Yarra. And like I told you at the beginning, boy, oh boy, what an impressive young woman who is invested in her day job, who works really hard, who does great things, but also believes in the value of passion and following a passion and having some passion projects. And I, and I hope like you, are absolutely fascinated by where those passion projects might go. I love the notion that she explored about not being too specific about goal setting, but to be open to the possibilities that might present. One of her passions, space. What an environment, what a space that they there are creating to get unlikely people into the room to explore, to discuss, to listen and to share stories and to together come up with solutions and possibilities and opportunities to make a positive impact, not only within Australia, but globally as well. Just fired me up. Excited to watch the life and the impact of Sean Gooden unfold and continue to have a beautiful ripple effect. If you too enjoyed this conversation, then I would love you to share it, to pass it on, to leave a rating and a review, to let others in on the secret that is the Inspired by Yarra podcast. I hope you'll join us again next episode when we again get to sit down with another yog, a Yarra old grammarian, and see how they too have been inspired by Yarra and become an inspiration to the wider Yarra Valley Grammar community. My name's Paul Joy, and on behalf of everybody here at Yarra, and in particular the team who put these conversations and release this podcast to you, I want to wish you another day of inspiration where you go out there with intentionality and every ounce of personality you can muster to make a positive, significant, powerful impact in the world around you. you.